0: Drive left field, Ben and coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch. He did! It. He got it! There we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. Heyway!
1: And crushed it! It's a grand slam! Twing him in straight three, it's
0: over! The Red Sox have won the world
1: championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast.
0: Can you believe it?
1: Here's your host, Terry Cushman.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. Tonight we kind of have a more of a unique show. We are gonna kind of do the state of the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. We do have a Yankees blogger on with us and we're gonna kind of see what kind of mischief uh, they might be up to and see how they're going to kind of stack up against us with maybe an eye on the Blue Jays because we know they're up to a bunch of mischief. But joining me tonight from the regular crew is Job Goddard. Job, how are
2: you? I'm doing great, Terry. You know, it's, it's been kind of a
0: quiet offseason.
2: Hasn't been a lot going around uh, from a Red Sox perspective. So it's good to be back with you. It's been been a while and uh I'm looking forward to this
0: yeah absolutely and uh maybe we'll get some news on uh Sagano the Japanese pitcher that's uh going through the posting process right now admittedly I should probably be a little more familiar with that than I am but he does have to make a decision I believe by the 7th so I think that's when 7th at noon I believe 7th at noon okay so we'll definitely be uh paying attention to that we lost the other pitching um the other japanese pitcher on the market I, I i don't know if i can call them prospects or not but he apparently the red Sox were his second choice he chose the padres because the weather was better so that so I, don't, was... I don't know
2: about you, Terry. How tired of hearing that are you? I'm pretty tired of
0: hearing <laughs> that the weather's not good. Well, truth be told, I'm moving to the Carolinas in a year, so I do kind of sympathize. But come on, you know, once April gets here, it should be tolerable. So I, I guess I kind of do agree with you. But anyways, uh, joining us tonight, we do have a special guest. He is a contributor uh, to Call to the Pen, which is a pretty well-known baseball blog, Uh, Matthew Orso, and he covers uh, the Yankees deep in the heart of uh, the Yankees fan base. Matthew, how are you?
3: You know what? I'm good. I'm just looking around my shoulder. No surprise attacks, no (laughs) Red Sox fans, no Jim Cheese jerseys coming after me with ropes and swords or anything, so that's a good sign thus far.
0: Yeah, I told Joe before we came on this is very much going to be a a peaceful or at least we're going to attempt a a peaceful, you know, debate despite the rivalry. So we, I think you're safe tonight. All
3: right, I got my lightsaber and my other holster just in case.
0: Absolutely. So uh, let the audience know who you are, where you come from, why you love baseball, and you want to talk to a couple of Red Sox knuckleheads. Oh,
3: I... My name is Matt Orso. I write for uh, Call to the Pen, a few other places. I'm an author on two books on baseball history. They're both out of print now, so I won't bother going into the names of them. But um, I've loved baseball ever since I was a kid. Uh, my grandpa taught me everything about the Yankees and the history of the game. And I've just loved it ever since. And, you know, I uh, I, I love talking to anyone about baseball, even Red Sox fans. So I feel like right now we have more of a common enemy, and <laughs> their name is the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, and there's nothing that would make me happier than seeing the opener implode on itself and destroyed and never used again.
0: I'm a purist as well, Job. What about you? What do you feel about the opener?
2: Uh You know, I was very against the opener uh, when I when I first saw it happening. I'm coming to love it because we don't have the pitching in in New England uh, in Boston to to really work with a five-man rotation. So I'm coming to love it if we can use it right. Um, What I do hate that the Tampa Bay Rays do is this two-times through the order thing, but I won't rehash that. We already talked that one through. All
0: right. I can see it, you know, maybe – in place of the five starter, but it's not something that uh, I would like to see, you know, more than one time through the rotation, especially, you know, being in a big market, but, but yeah, so I, I, I can kind of sympathize with you, uh, Matthew on that as well. So let's just kind of get into it. You know, there's some pressing issues uh, in the Bronx regarding the Yankees and, I guess the elephant in the room and I'm kind of surprised it's the elephant in the room but DJ LeMahieu seems to be the number 1 free agent target that most Yankees fans want to sign there seems to be more urgency uh, you know on the part of them that the Yankees sign LeMahieu and coming from a team myself that desperately needs pitching I'm like you guys are aware that Jordan Montgomery's your number 2 starter if the season starts tomorrow. So where are you on that?
3: Uh, I We need to be going after LeMahieu, Um, because here's the thing. There's so much depth in the starting pitching market that you can get a bunch of these guys relatively cheap. There is no replacing DJ Lemayhew in that Yankees lineup. The next best free agent, second-base type player is Colton Wong, who is a fine defensive ball player but can't post an OPS near hundred. OBs plus near 100. DJ LeMahieu last season hit 364. The season before that, 327, 26 bombs, 100 plus RBIs. He has been the best and most consistent Yankees player in these last two years of injuries with Judge and Stanton and all the guys who just can't seem to stay on the field. He's the one guy who's producing, and we we can get starting pitching. and I hope. Probably talk about that later too with this team because you're right. I don't want to wake up on opening day and see Jordan Montgomery as my second starter. That is true. But let me tell you, the Yankees do not go anywhere in the playoffs if we do not get DJ LeMahieu back. Because then you have Aaron Hicks as a leadoff hitter. Then you got strikeouts galore, no contact. And let me tell you, that's not gonna work.
0: Joe, thoughts on this?
2: Well, you know, you mentioned already that the um, the starting pitching—that's where I was going to go next. But as far as the DJ stuff goes, are you opposed to giving him, you know, a fifth year? That seems to be the hangup uh, at this point from DJ's end, at least, is that he wants that fifth year. Uh, then it seems like the Yankees are holding out on getting it to him. Would you would you give him that fifth year? Well, it's not my money. I'd give him a
3: sixth and seventh year deal too if it would sweeten it for him. But no, here's the thing: LeMahieu's well, looking for like a five to one twenty-five. I don't see that. Could I see closer to five and a hundred with incentives? Yes, but if I'm the stuff, if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, if I'm this Yankees team, and you do and you are outbid on DJ LeMahieu by let's say hypothetically the Mets or the Blue Jays or the Dodgers coming off a World Series title, that is not a good look. You haven't won a World Series since 2009. And the best, arguably
1: the best pure hitter in the free agent market, who says he wants to return to your ball club, isn't going to return because you're not paying him the money.
3: That doesn't work. You're the Yankees. You spend the money. You have the money. You spend the money. You win the World Series titles. That hasn't happened since '09. So guess what?
1: You got to spend more money.
2: Yeah. You, you know <laughs> that's,
0: that's an interesting take. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I mean, there's, like you said, there's no comparable player to LeMahieu. And and Colton Long, I mean, that is a pretty steep drop off, but I would still try to be creative, you know, in in terms of acquiring someone because, I mean, you don't want to go through the penalties, you know, year after year again and, and, you know, it's, it's going to hurt you as far as drafting. And I mean, if you can't get a good second baseman, maybe compensate by going after a stud outfielder, you know, maybe get a guy like Osuna on a, on a, you know, a three or four year deal and, and maybe get your offense that way. And, and he's probably not the best example, you know, because of his defense, but I just, I think the Yankees eventually, you know, are, are going to want to, you know, not always be a, a top one or two payroll. Well,
3: let, let me say this. If the Yankees don't get LeMahieu, I think their backup plan is going to be Michael Brantley. Left-handed hitting an outfielder, sweet swing, 300-plus hitter. He's a guy I could see them going after if they don't get LeMahieu. But let me tell you something. If they don't get Lemayhu, there is going to be a lot of angry Yankee fans. And there's going to be a lot of blowback. And I know, you know, no one cares. The ownership is not supposed to care about the blowback. You're going to have a lot of angry Yankee fans during a pandemic complaining. You're not going to
2: want to hear it. So, Matt, quick question. Um, I want to move past kind of the, the DJ stuff for a minute. And talk about that starting pitching thing you mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm. Would there
2: not be more angry uh, Yankee fans if the starting pitchers kind of are the way they are now? I mean, who are some of the guys the Yankees should target, you know, in free agency to fix their rotation and not have Jordan Montgomery as your opening day starter? Well, there's a lot of guys out there who you can, for lack of a better phrase, plug
3: and chuck. James Paxton, you can re-sign. He's going to be—he's uh, been touching up 94 miles an hour on the radar gun. He's familiar. At his best, he's a 200-plus strikeout pitcher uh, who's a lefty. Great for that rotation. Tanaka, there's report, There's conflicting reports coming out with Tanaka. If he, if he doesn't come back, he's going to go to Japan. He says that's not necessarily the case. You, you're in play on him. You're in play on Paxton. Corey Kluber, I think, is an interesting name to keep an eye on. Um, he's going to be throwing in a couple weeks and uh, he's a free agent out there, and I could see him addressing it on a one-year deal because you got to keep in mind this offseason, the starting pitching, there's a lot of names, but there's not like that big-time eight. There's not like a cinder guard who's going to be coming out, I think, next year, a couple years down the line, some guy who you're going to throw a massive amount of money on. And don't say Trevor Bauer because I don't want Trevor Bauer anywhere near a Yankees uniform because for a variety of reasons, one being as great a season as he had last year, it was against mostly NL and AL central ball clubs who could not hit. Um, So that's a separate thing. But there are a lot of older veteran guys you can plug into this rotation. Domingo Herman, granted the horrible stuff that happened, allegedly, and everything that he got suspended by Major League Baseball. He's going to be coming back. That's another arm in that rotation. Clark Schmidt, David Garcia, good young guys will be there. I'm not as worried, maybe I'm crazy, just from listening to me for the last five minutes, you can probably ascertain that, but I don't see, I'm not as worried about the starting pitching because there are names out there we can get. We need to solidify that lineup because, let me ask you guys something, who do you think the starting second baseman is come opening day? It could very well be Tyler Wade, and that is not something you want. Period.
0: He's definitely a defensive uh, replacement type player, you know, at best. But um, let me ask you about Tanaka, though. As a Red Sox fan that, you know, we're active on the, the starting pitching market. To me, Tanaka is just completely washed. I just i I, I wouldn't want the Red Sox to touch him with a 10 foot pole. You know
1: what? When
3: push comes to shove, I'll take him on a one-year deal because I feel like that's all you really need at the moment. Get everything year to year. Remember, after this, after the 2021 season, there's a new CBA coming up. There's going to be more negotiations. I have a feeling they're going to, I don't know this for certain. No one's told me anything, but I have a feeling the, the payroll tax and thresholds are going to go up. So you'll be able to spend more money with less penalty. So I I just have a feeling that come the next few years, there will be more expenditures and there'll be more money you can put out on other guys. I'm fine with knock on a one-year deal right now as you build up the arms of Garcia and Schmidt and Michael King and uh Domingo Herman coming back. And you still got your ace Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery is what I call Andy Pettit like You're gonna get when At his best, you're going to get a good five, six innings out of him, and he can turn it over to the bullpen. And one, and I think the best um, move the Yankees have made this offseason is not made by the Yankees, but made by the Tampa Bay Rays, who no longer have Charlie Morton and Blake Snell to deal with in the division. So that was the best Christmas present Yankee fans could have hoped to get last week.
0: Yeah, Tampa, they're... I it's tough to really get a sense on what their plans are short or long term but you know they're not going to be signing any starting pitching and I'm really not worried about them you know as a Red Sox team that I think will be at least around 500 I'm still not I'm still not worried about Tampa really doing a number on us this year without those two guys Snell had a career 2.59 ERA against us so happy to see him go and then he had a career four thirty one ERA against two guys. So so he was taking wins away from us, giving the wins to you guys. And it was just a terrible scenario for us. So uh, you know, he'll be out there and yeah, and then Larry Rothschild, I mean, is he as effective as the Tampa pitching program? Like is if Snell goes into a rut, is Rothschild gonna get him out of it? You know? He might, I don't know.
3: Uh, let me just say I am if I'm the Dodgers and the NL West right now, I'm shaking a bit with what you're seeing San Diego do. I'm very excited to see how that plays out next year.
0: Yeah. I said on a recent uh, show, it might've been our YouTube uh, exclusive that, you know, the, the Dodgers Padres rivalry is going to be the premier rivalry this decade, you know? So, yeah. So, the other uh, big news, you know, in, in the last several months, uh, Steve Cohen has purchased the New York Mets. And I'm just wondering if you're concerned at all if they may be trying to outbid you on certain, you know, free agents that you both might be targeting.
1: Um,
3: in a couple of ways. Let me start with this. Um, I think the Yankees and Mets interest this year for this specific off season other than maybe DJ LeMayhew are in different areas. So I'm not necessarily concerned about Cohn, you know, coming in on Tanaka or Paxton and outspending. I'm concerned about it in the long haul. Um, Cause I could very easily see years down the road when the Stanton, when Stanton is getting older and he's still being ma- paid 30 plus million dollars every year. When you're going to have to pay Aaron Judge, when you're going to have to play Labor Torres, when you're going to have to pay Gary Sanchez, even though you're probably not going to pay because they're probably going to let him go um, beyond when he hits free agency. I, I, I'm concerned down the line. I'm not really concerned this offseason. How, however, the Yankees need to, I don't, it, it's very hypocritical for me to say get their acting gear because they just spent three hundred twenty four million on Cole last off season. But if you lose out on DJ LeMayhu, let let's let's go back to that hypothetical. Let's say the Mets did sign LeMayhu, they gave him five years and thirty, and the Yankees were only going up to one hundred fifteen. That would be both heartbreaking and pathetic um on many fronts, uh,
2: if you're the Yankees. Um, Matthew, real quick on, on that note, does it seem like a concern to, to Yankee fans? I'm not as in tune with the Yankee fans as you are. But does it seem like a concern of Yankee fans that maybe the culture of the Mets and the fact that it's changing might entice free agents to, to choose the money in, you know, Mets, you know, in Queens rather than in the Bronx because they're going to get more money, but also, you know, they're going to get to be the star of a team, um that doesn't have so much so many eyes on so much pressure but they get that new york lifestyle still is that is that kind of a concern at all um it
3: very well could be um i think obviously you know i'm not a yankee fan who despises the Mets. i respect you know the, the history of the organization the first Mets manager was casey stengel who loved the yankees all the world series titles back in the '40s and 50s um it's interesting because you got a good young nucleus there. You got Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, um, some good foundational pieces, and you and you have the money now with Steve Cohen. The days of you know the Will Ponds and not spending anything to improve your ball club are long gone. Um, you still have the one of the top three pitchers in baseball in Jacob Degrom, so it could very well be very enticing for free agents to go there. So as a Yankee fan, I am a little concerned. Long term, I think right now at this moment for this upcoming season, I'm not as concerned because I don't think the players that we're seeking are necessarily going to be the players that the Mets are seeking. I, I would be very surprised like if the Mets didn't get either George Springer or Trevor Bauer, two guys I don't see the Yankees going after because they're going to be commanding way more money than any uh one in the Yankees would be willing to give at this point. Um, But definitely long-term, that's something that uh, could worry.
2: So, talking long-term and kind of moving in that direction, what do you think of signing Aaron Judge to an eight, ten-year extension? Is that something the Yankees are considering? Is that something they should be considering? What are your thoughts? I wouldn't do it. Um, I I was looking up some stuff
3: in preparation today. Let's start with this. Since uh, the start of the 2018 season, Aaron Judge has played in 63% of the Yankee regular season game. 242 out of, like, 360 or something. It's That's not good. He keeps getting injured. When he's on the field, he's one of the top five ballplayers in Major League Baseball. But the problem is the man does not stay on the field. He's going to hit free agency when he's old, older compared to what other guys would hit free agency. I think he's going to be around 30 or so, 31 um, he's going to be up there. Um, I'm not giving Aaron Judge an eight-year contract. I'm not giving him a six-year contract. I, if I were the Yankees, I, you know, I'd offer him five one fifty one twenty-five to one fifty because I you can't afford to overpay a guy like Aaron Judge. Here and here's another thing: uh, since the start of 2019, Aaron Judge has played in 130 games. Do you know who's also played in 130 games for the Yankees in that span? Who's that? Talkman.
1: You've seen Mike Talkman on the field in a Yankee uniform just as much as you've seen Aaron Judge. And well, that's I, definitely
2: not not going to help you win
3: games. No, I, I'm not. There's no way I give Aaron Judge an eight to ten year deal. I, if I'm the Yankees, I'm saying look, five years, 150, 30 million average AV. That's all, because let me tell you, the money you need to give in the upcoming years is for Gleyber Torres and the young the young pitcher, Debbie Garcia, if he becomes everything Yankee fans are projecting him to be. Um, Luis Severito, who's been injury-prone, he's supposed to come back around June or July. I know they signed him to an extension a couple of years back, but they, he's barely pitched. He's going to be hitting free agency soon. Gary Sanchez, who I would not sign... I would let go. He's going to be hitting free agency soon. They might They might even try and look at him. Um, I'm just not, I'm not willing to commit that much money and that much contract to a guy who's not going to stay on the, who hasn't proven to stay on the field while you're also paying another guy in Giancarlo Stanton who cannot stay on the field. And that and he's the DH so he doesn't even need to be on the field he just needs to be at the plate but he can't seem to do that either you've got so much money tied up on the il list you can't afford to be giving that much money to Aaron judge and
1: Yankee fans love
3: him and they you know they talk about him being like the next Jeter that type of leadership ability that type of um gravitas that type of aura that he gives
1: it's great when he's on the field which is only 63% of the time over the last three years. You can't do
2: that much. So I I agree with you. Um, Terry, I wonder what you think, because as a Red Sox fan, the one thing I really want the Yankees to do is sign him to one of those extensions.
0: Um, (laughs) But
2: for for the same reasons that Matt doesn't want him, that's why I want them to sign him.
0: What are your thoughts
2: kind of on Aaron Judge and whether or not he would accept a five-year deal at, at 29, 30 years of age?
0: I don't think he would accept a five-year offer if it was given to him uh, tomorrow. Uh, and before I go to the rest of it, uh, Matthew, how is it? He's going into his final year of arbitration, or is this arbitration too?
3: I think this is two. I think he's got. He's not a. He's not a free agent after this season. I believe. me if I'm wrong. I believe it's after the
2: 2022
3: season. I think it might even be so, 2023. So I'm
2: actually, I'm looking at it now. Um, and it looks like he's only under contract for 2021. Um, this is his last year, but I, I couldn't be wrong there. I didn't have the most reliable of sort of sources up, um, at the time. So love, here, I'm going to pull it up on them. Um...
0: Actually, I'll have it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think I would have this up already? Uh, let's see. Earliest free agent is... Oh, no. You're right.
2: You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, arbitration three is next season. So yeah. he's arbitration two this year, uh, unrestricted free agent in 2023 at the age of 31.
0: Yeah. And he's he'll be 29 this year. So 31, like you said. And I think he's going to command a um is going to command at least an 8 year deal and we'll kind of get into the cashman aspect of it uh in a little bit but i'm hoping the the Yankees do sign him obviously because we're seeing right now that the the prototype of a 68 player you know 280 isn't doesn't seem to be durable stanton can't stay on the field like matthew said We're not seeing it with Judge. I think Judge is a lot more of a gamer than Stanton is as well. I I think Judge is more likely to grind things out. If you go back to that 2019 postseason, that rib injury was sustained the last week of September. And he gutted it out through the postseason, was hitting home runs. I think he hit a home run in that final game when Altuve, you know, hit the walk-off when he may or may not have been wearing a buzzer, who knows. Um, but judge will grind things out. And you look at the money that the Yankees have between Cole and Stanton. It's immense. I think Stanton's got something like six or seven more years left. They have eight more years left to Cole. If you tack on a massive Aaron judge <laughs> extension, that's almost $1 billion billion dollars—billion with a B on what's going to be tied up between those three players. And um, and they still have to sign, you know, Glaber. They still need to go get maybe a stud-free agent in a year or two. So I think a lot of Red Sox fans see the writing on the wall with with Judge probably being injured for the bulk of his 30s. Players don't get healthier in their 30s. Ask Jacoby Ellsbury, you know. <laughs> it, it just doesn't Ask Dustin Pedroia, <laughs> you know. Um
3: Ellsbury salt in the wounds there. <laughs> My favorite Yankee signing of the last decade. No. N- n- no. If Cashman would to sign Cano, granted, that's not looking so good right now either. But no, Jacoby Ellsbury is like is the equivalent of me saying Bucky dead to you guys. It's not good. You don't say it.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I, I won't get into 2011 with Jacoby and what what he might have been up to to get, you know, 30 home runs or however many it was, 32 I think it was. uh. But, yeah, so I think a lot of Red Sox fans are quietly hoping that the Judge extension does happen. And if you look at Cashman's track record with outfielders, it's not great. You know, we've already mentioned a few of them. Ellsbury, Stanton, you know, Judge, you know, came up through the system. But – not a lot of durability there. Aaron Hicks, another guy just doesn't seem to play a ton of games every year. So, um that's definitely They gave him a
3: massive extension.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the most money, but it was 7 years and he's never he had never played more than like 120 something games in a year <laughs> and suddenly he's going to give you seven real good ones and he's had Tommy John already in in that uh early part of the deal. So I definitely uh I definitely yeah, think that the outfield is a weakness uh, you know, for the Yankees. Um next on the docket, I'm just kind of wondering about Aaron Boone and I don't think the Yankees are going to have you know a, a perfect roster coming into the year. And the division is wide open. I think Toronto is one or two more free agent signings from probably being at least a slight front front runner. So what I'm wondering with Boone is, you know, I was a little kind of surprised he kept his job, but do you think he's going to be competent enough to kind of conquer the obstacles that he'll have to conquer with a potentially flawed roster? Well,
3: you know, a lot of Yankee fans are down on Boone. Um, I've definitely balked at some of the questionable moves that have been made. If I saw Jonathan hold or pitch one more game i think i was going to explode because i never want to see him pitch a game for the yankees again unless it's against the yankees i think he's now with the Cubs. so i was very happy about that um you have to keep in mind with baseball in this day and age and i don't know this for certain but i feel like the front office has a lot of say in how these lineups and how these moves are made and how you know what you're going to do in game based off of Preparation and the binders and the staff but that's what everyone got on Joe Girardi for is because he stuck too much to that binder um, I don't know if the blame is solely with Boone I think he's a smart look, we t- let's take 2020 out, out of consideration here because it was the year of COVID and so many horrible things happened that just getting a baseball season I think was a miracle um, he won a hundred plus games each year in his first two seasons as manager um, and yeah. It's not so much incompetence. I think, as a Yankee fan, any season that's not a World Series winner is a failure, which means we failed every year since the start of 2010. Um, That's with Girardi. That's with Boone. Um, We've only won once since the start of 2001. Um, Meanwhile, Red Sox have three World Series titles in that span. By the way, do you know what the last New
1: York team to appear in a World Series was? It wasn't the Yankees. It was the Mets <laughs> in 2015. So we can't even say we last appeared in a World Series before the New York Mets. So I, I, I think there's a
3: lot going on. Boone's definitely going to be back, obviously, this year. I don't know about 2022 and beyond with the CBA and everything that's going to happen in baseball in general um, with the rules changes and every, just everything that's going on in the game. My thoughts haven't really... Gotten that far yet? I think he, he'll be fine. Regular season. This is a playoff team. I'm not, especially with what Tampa has done. I do, but honestly, just degrade their organization and their team, and trading away their among their best players, and losing uh, Charlie Morton. I'm not worried about the regular season. It's the playoffs that I'm worried about. It's the having Debbie Garcia open for Jay Happ in the postseason is what I'm worried about. And I don't think, and it's a hunch. I don't think those moves come from Boone. So it's not so much him I'm worried about as like the front and not even like Brian Cashman, who is a very, I don't know, is a very good guy. Um, it's just the front office of the Yankees. I think is more of a concern in that regard as, I think it is in all of Major League Baseball where, um, you know, front offices are running these teams now, not so much the managers. Look at Dave Roberts, World Series championship um, in Los Angeles. It's the front office who's running the show. Same thing in Tampa. Same thing almost everywhere.
0: Do Do you have a problem with that, though, like... You know, that whole concept of the manager not really calling the shots and, you know, maybe the front office has a lot more say, that kind of came to the forefront in the final game of the World Series when Snell wasn't allowed to go, you know, face the top of the order. And I wasn't really, you know, a big proponent of Alex Cora coming back. But the one thing I did find comfort in is I know... He's going to manage the team and, you know, he's going to have the final say, you know, once the game starts, what move he makes or whether he's going to pinch hit or play small ball or, or whatever in whatever situation. Are, are you are you comfortable with with the concept of the front office having that much authority?
3: No, um, to be perfectly honest, I think there's just there's I, And I love baseball numbers. It's my life. But there are certain things you just can't quantify. And there are things experienced baseball men who are in the dugouts can pick up on that numbers, you know, you know, hit someone's fit might say that he's getting tired after so-and-so amount of innings. But you know what? He, he's, the manager thinks, oh, he's still pitching. Well, let's, let me get what I can get out of him. There's a feel that can't be you, – you, you can't just put a number on it. And I feel like we've lost a lot of that in this day and age, just the the nuance of being able to make a decision that does go against the number. You know, everyone says, well, numbers never lie." They don't always tell the truth either because you got to look at it in each given situation. And I
1: I feel like while information is helpful
3: and I feel like a lot of these next generation staff, like they help the pitchers with the spin rate. And I think that's good,
1: but we've gotten a little too with, oh my gosh, seeing the look on Mookie Betts' face when Blake Snell was taken out of that game in the World Series should tell you everything about that decision. And Kevin Cash was a catcher for a World Series championship team with the Red Sox and the Yankees. He's a baseball guy. He should know just by looking at Snell's pitch that that is not the right move. But because the job and the status Bible say thou shalt must do this he had to do this and it's we could very well
3: be saying right now that if Blake Snell stayed in that game at that time Tampa could have forced a game seven and won the whole darn thing and it's a completely different
2: era
0: absolutely I
2: couldn't agree more Matthew I think um on the Snell take and and on the front office kind of angle uh Terry and I have talked that one to death a little bit about how we feel about it especially with Cora coming back but uh you kind of brought me to my next question you know you mentioned that you think it's kind of the front office that's calling the shots and so you can't necessarily lay that on Boone can you not then lay that on Brian Cashman I'm in personally as a Red Sox fan who's watched this Yankee team my whole life I I feel like Brian Cashman has been given a lot of leash by Hal Steinbrenner and if it had been George right now running the team he wouldn't be there now uh, let alone uh, have a contract still through i think 2023 let me tell you if george george is rolling in his grave right
3: now going 10 years with that, 10 plus years without a world series title Boone would be, would have been gone after 2019 Cashman would have sadly been gone long
1: before that it, it And we wouldn't be worried about spending money on DJ LeMay, because he would have already been signed, along with George Springer and Trevor Bauer. We'd have a whole set.
3: So, yeah, uh, if George were alive, things would be different. But the fact of the matter is, it's Hal's ball club, and I I, I don't know if the blame should go on. Everyone, you know, I think Boone should take some of the blame. Ryan should take some. Hal should take some in the sense that they haven't won a World Series since two thousand nine. I was reading an article on MLB.com earlier that had um a Steinbrenner Hal Steinbrenner quote from after the season about how you know it's a hundred, you know, um the season you no know, we didn't win a World Series, so in that sense it's a failure. But is the season a failure? No. Last year we won 100 hundred and three games. Is that a failure? No. I know maybe people may disagree with me. Well, duh,
1: we haven't won since two thousand nine. And look, I know it I I commend the Steinbrenners for their
3: commitment to baseball and uh, to the community and all all that great stuff. This is not anything personal or anything like that, but there, there are simple numbers I think we can all agree on. The last time the Yankees won a World Series,
1: 2009, and they've won one since 2001. In that same time span, we have as many World Series titles as the Chicago White Sox as the Los Angeles Angels, as the Florida Bleepin' Marlins, who didn't make the postseason from 2004 until last year. And we have the same amount of World Series titles in that span as the Florida Marlins, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't care that Jeter's the owner there. You uh, you know, this has gotten my rant out, but let me tell you. We have the same amount of World Series titles. We need—we are the Yankees. We don't settle for first place and get knocked out of the postseason. That's a Minnesota Twins thing. That's not a Yankee thing. Oh, sweet peaches and cream. But the point is, is that I think there's blame all around in the organization because you haven't won since 2009. And until you win a World Series title, there's going to be blame.
0: Yeah, you know, and not to not to make it worse, but you actually didn't appear in a World Series that whole decade, <laughs> let alone win one. Well, if bolt
1: you... and wound. Yeah. And, and you're right. And like I said before, the last New York team to appear in a World Series was the Mets under the World Pond. We can't even do that. <laughs> we yeah. can't beat the Astros.
0: You oh know, my gosh. I think... To me, Cashman, I think, is outdated. You know, he's got a 1990s, early 2000s mindset. You know, he's not, he doesn't build rosters like the modern-day GM, you know, like we're about to see with Bloom and what Bloom did in Tampa. You know, he's not like Friedman or Jeffrey Lou now. Um, I even think Theo Epstein is outdated as well, you know. And, you know, he might be a little more analytical than, than Cashman, but... A lot of these moves Cashman has made are, are just terrible, you know. The Stanton deal, the Ellsbury deal, just think of what you could have done with all that money. You know, the players you could have brought in who would have served the team that much better. And when we talk about Aaron Judge and and the contract he's about to possibly get, the extension. That's going to be painful, and I don't think you can even compare that to to trading Mookie. I, I think Mookie Betts is going to be a generational talent. He already is, and and will sustain that through much of his thirties. And you know that that's probably an okay signing. I hate contracts that size, but it's probably going to play out okay. I think it's pretty obvious that a judge contract isn't going to play out as similarly. And I think it's okay for, for Cashman to either not sign him or, or trade him as mind boggling. And as foreign of a thought as that might be to your average Yankee fan, I, I don't think there's any shame in that. And he made a comment. I guess there were trade rumors surrounding Glaber Torres either last year or the year before And Cashman's exact quote was, I can't trade Torres. I I have to walk around in this city. You know, I live here, you know, and it's the same thing with Judge. And I just think his mindset for roster building is going to hurt the organization, you know, for years to come. And I think Steinbrenner has to to make that difficult decision to go after, you know, uh, a newer executive with a more present-day mindset, you know, go get somebody out of the Dodgers organization or Tampa if they haven't been completely, you know, ransacked because, you know, the Houston GM came from there. Um, But I think that's what has to happen. And I don't know if he's on the hot seat, but he should be on the hot seat. Red Sox fans long before now if he was our GM making the moves he made, we would have been calling for his head. I mean, we're on our fourth GM in the World Series era. Maybe our fifth. I lost count. But it's, you know, I would be really frustrated with Cashman if if I were a Yankees fan. You
3: know what? It's not so much. I don't think Cashman's going anywhere. I think what he's done for this organization uh, the, the loyalty and the fact that it is Hal and not George calling the shots right now, that I think Cashman's here to stay. I, I don't really have any anger towards that because I kind of accept I accept that situation. And I I don't want to say I'm okay with it. Well, I am okay with it. I'm fine with Cashman calling the shots because it all comes down to a few things. One, you're the Yankees. You have the money. Maybe it sounds arrogant, but you know what? Fine, it's arrogant. Spend the money, win the title. Well, the problem? We spent the money. We just haven't won the title. And I think if you gave Brian truth serum and injected it into him, he would not he would say that the Stanton deal was obviously a mistake, taking in all that money. Uh, he wouldn't have signed Tiff. Um he would he wouldn't have gotten Carl Pavano back in oh you know oh four. Jarrett Wright, oh my gosh, the you want to give me V on flashbacks. The Jarrett Wright signing was a total debacle. Um, just a bunch, Jacoby Ellsbury. I'm reliving the, the ghost of Yan- Yankees' past here. The point being that I,
1: I, I don't know. I, with the Yankees,
3: it's like you, you, you need to keep spending the money. You, we're not the Tampa Bay Rays, which, by the way, as a separate side note, seeing them two wins away from a World Series, not getting rid of their best players, what does that say to the fans? it's pathetic. At least the Marlins have the common decency to win the World Series in 97 and 03 before the fire sale. So, I, I don't I don't know. My whole point as a Yankee fan right now is you get DJ LeMahieu, you add to that rotation, you win out the regular season, you stay healthy, and you hit with runners in scoring position in the playoffs. Because if you do that, you can make it to the World Series. Now I don't know if anyone can beat the Dodgers right. Now. They are the super team. I don't know if any, and if somehow the if somehow the Padres do, I don't know if we can beat the Padres. My goal for twenty twenty one is make the World Series and don't let the Mets anywhere near it for a,
2: you know while the cup. So Matthew, f- following up on that, and Terry, I think you're totally right. Before I even get into that, Terry, I think you're totally right. If, if Cashman was in Boston, we'd be calling for his head. Um, Sometimes I'm calling for their heads during winning seasons, you know, just because. <laughs> But um, Matthew, you mentioned that your kind of goal for the 2021 Yankees is to make the World Series. Why is it that, you know, somehow I feel like that seems to be the bar seems to have been lowered by Yankees fans and even ownership to, you know, being a winning team, making the playoffs and having a decent run of it seems to now be the bar. You know, it's like it's like the Boston Celtics of of, uh, baseball. Like, it's okay to be good. You don't have to be great. We're going to pour a bunch of money into guys because they're fan favorites. It doesn't seem like Yankees baseball of old. Why is
3: that? I don't know. New generation, new era of fandom, new, you know, George Steinbrenner. God rest his soul not with the organization anymore. Um, can't use a Ouija board to make the contract negotiations. But it... <sighs> My, my whole aspect of, the, of being a Yankee fan every year is the World Series. Right now, it's usually win the World Series... Right now, I'll take a World Series appearance with a bad call by an umpire that cost us, you know, Game 7 <laughs> victory. But you're absolutely right. The mindset is, oh, let's just make the playoffs, and, you know, if we're competitive every year, it's great. No, it's not. Because again, and I hate to harp on this, 2009 was the last time we won. So until... I, I can understand it to a to a degree. If we're coming off like three straight World Series titles, and you want to retool and rebuild for the next couple of years, and you're not spending, you know, the whole bank on uh, questionable moves, okay. But again, 2009, you have to give us something here. We've lost to the Astros. We lost to
1: the Tigers. We've <laughs> we've lost to the Red Sox in the playoffs. 2018, seeing this that the was the Brock Holtz cycle? It, 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 it destroyed me. It absolutely <laughs> destroyed me. Um, the, losing to the Astros, we had we had a three games to two lead against Houston in 2017. This whole baseball scandal with the Astros wouldn't have been as big if we had closed out Game Six well, or Seven.
2: We, we, we won't hold you that one against you because I know Terry and I both are uh, anti-trash can uh, people. But, um, you know, Matthew, I, I just I wanted to kind of say that I, I agree with you. I feel like kind of the bar has changed because of the millennial. Uh, Terry, do you feel like maybe the rivalry is suffering because of that?
0: Well, you know, the fans are satisfied? it hasn't been much of a rivalry since 0304 when we had those two postseason appearances and. You know, it was cool to play in 2018. You know, it was in the divisional series, which was a little shorter. But I even remember thinking at that time, it just didn't quite have the same feel, you know. And I get, I get, you know, berated on Twitter, you know, for snide remarks that I make. You know, I, I think we've gotten really PC and, and it's not quite. As I don't know if cutthroat is the is the word for it, but, you know, I just I just don't think we can go after each other like like we could when we were kids, you know, and um, so, you know, the teams are trending in two different directions right now. Um, You know, the Red Sox are coming up slowly. I expect that to accelerate probably after this season. Uh, and certainly after the next season, uh, once the, you know, all the bad money comes off the books. And I think the Yankees, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs because it's it's an expanded, you know, roster. But, you know, to me right now, I mean, I think they're an 85-86 win team. So I don't know if you can call that trending down or or what. But, you know, they're going to have to you know get creative on how you know they get their roster into a championship form and I just don't see our rivalry being nearly as intense as what we're going to see in Southern California you know with with those two teams so um you know if if I'm wrong and, and the Yankees cruise into the World Series this year more power to them but um but neither neither of our two teams right now really look like they're you know gonna go on that run.
2: Look, me, yeah, no, I this. totally agree
3: Matthew, what do you think? Uh, sorry for that. um you know what it's it's interesting i I think the Yankees are okay for this year. when you said eighty five eighty six wins, you meant New York, I assume not the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
3: I, 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 I would appreciate it if you replaced the eight with the nine, <laughs> Um, because that's kind of where my mindset is with this ball club at the moment. Um, I think it's also sad that, you know, when the Yankees lost in 2004 in the ALCS, this is 11-year-old Matthew. You know, there were tears coming down the face. I was heartbroken. I was crushed Uh, because it was – my gym teacher, Mr. Baldino, fifth grade, predicted it. We were up two games to none at the time, and he said, We're gonna lose the series. And then we won game three. And I said I, I like him. Yeah, he's a big Yankee, <laughs> big Yankee fan, very good man, big Yankee fan. And he's telling me we're gonna lose the series. And we just then we won the next day and we were up for nothing. And I'm like, Mr. Baldino, you're crazy. And then he's like, just Matthew, just walk, mark my words and watch. And I watched. Over. And my brother at the time, because he loved Johnny Damon, was the Red Sox fan. So the biggest torment on my ginger soul was seeing my brother cheer for Johnny Damon as he hits the two home runs in that game seven. And I'm like pulling my hair out and going insane. And the, the reason I bring that up is that right now, at this moment in 2020, I do not hate the Red Sox as much as I despise the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros. I hate to break it to you guys,
1: but you are my third most hated team at the moment, <laughs> possibly fourth if Toronto or New York Mets sign DJ LeMay. Here. So I I, I I I I'm sorry to break it to you, but I don't hate you as much as I should.
2: <laughs> I start to feel like that's kind of the way that we're we're unfortunately training in, in the rivalry. Um and that's because so many other teams are getting better. You know, Toronto's great. Uh Terry kind of alluded to that already. Um, but I definitely agree that's kind of the issue with why the rivalry doesn't feel the same is just because we're not hitting stride at the same moment, if that makes sense. The Yankees are currently trending down slowly. The Red Sox are trending up very slowly, and maybe we intersect, but it won't be at the peak um, is, is kind of where I am there. Um, that's kind of all I had on the rivalry aspect. Perry, you have anything else you wanted to add to that? Well,
0: he mentioned 4 and how you know his teacher knew that the Sox were going to come back, so I- – Matthew, I want to know what was your moment of doom? Like when did you know it was gonna happen?
2: Oh, that's
3: that's a tough one. I remember um what was it? It was game I remember game four and you know the the, the walk and Malar gang Pintron and all that, and I, there was doubt creeping into my mind then. And then before game six, and I hear oh Everyone talking about Kurt Schilling being hurt. And I'm like, yes,
1: we're going to
3: destroy him.
1: And <laughs> oh, look, his, his ankle is bleeding. Wait, he's pitching well. That's <laughs> not good. And the moment Boston won game six, I
3: in my head was like, there's no way they don't win game seven. And then I remember, I think it was the top of the first inning. I'm in my parents' bedroom. And I think Damon, someone thrown out at the plate to end Damon, the top. Damon got first. thrown out at the plate. And, 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 oh. I, was, and I was like,
1: Ew. Okay, we're fine, and then we
2: weren't, and then Ke-
1: Kevin, what was it, was it Javier Vasquez, Kevin Brown that game? Am I misremembering that?
2: Um, oh, I think we had Bronson Arroyo go, go in the World Series, so it must have been Kevin Brown in, in Game 7. Okay, was it, I feel like, didn't, I, Vasquez, we had we, Derek Lowe, Vasquez, Derek did, Lowe, maybe? Yeah, it
0: was oh, Derek Lowe, Lowe saying, for us.
1: No,
3: right, 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 right. no, I, I, I was talking about the the pitchers, the Yankees, and I, that, I, I think
0: it was oh, Kevin definitely Brown.
3: Definitely
2: Kevin Brown. Yeah, oh, it, was Kevin Kevin, Brown. it was Brown who gave up the The both was it both homers to Damon or? Uh, I, I think it was the first homer to Damon, the grand slam to Damon, and then also the David Ortiz two run shot for Kevin okay. Brown. I don't know that he was still in the third, but you, you're really bringing me back here. I'm gonna have to go watch <laughs> four days in October on YouTube after the fact. This is like Christmas. Well, let me just say <laughs> one thing as I'm remembering this. You
3: know, when I knew the Yankees 04 season was done was when I'm listening. It might, maybe it was 05, right around there. I'm listening to the radio with my grandpa in Sussex County, New Jersey, and we're driving home. And I hear Susan Waldner, John Sterling say, well, Kevin Brown has reportedly punched a wall in the locker room.
1: And I'm like, what? Are you stupid?
2: It's like David Ortiz destroying the phone in, in Baltimore. Um, you know, there's kind of those moments that, that show you the real heart in guys. I remember the, you know, when I started to feel hope, Hey, I don't know about you, but as I'm watching that series unfold, I'm kind of too young to understand that 86 years of torment. all I had in my head was Aaron Boone and I'm like, don't let this happen again. Don't let us get swept, you know, just give us one. And then, and then we won the first one. I was like, Oh, you know, maybe just give us one more.
0: Yeah. yeah. And and
2: then after showing it on the mound, it was like a whole different story
0: right for me i started to kind of believe it after game five because game four was a marathon so was game five and i thought okay maybe maybe we're breaking them and and then the shilling thing kind of happened and um yeah and for sure though after game six i just i felt so good about game seven and um you know low clint what was the clincher uh Oh, actually, yeah. He was the clincher in the World Series as well. So he had two. Uh... Well, Lowe had
2: a great a great postseason. He would have been, you know, the number one guy at any other World Series when he teamed for MVP. But on the 2004, team, he's like the sixth or seventh guy on the list. Yeah. Uh, it was a crazy, crazy postseason run from Derek Lowe. Uh, yeah. I remember, you know, especially in game seven, Matthew. I don't know if you remembered this, but I remember this very vividly. Is, uh, the Red Sox took that ten to three lead on the Johnny Damon grand slam, and um, Joe Buck calling that game, and he says, "There's not a single Red Sox fan in Yankee Stadium or anywhere else that's comfortable with a ten to three lead." And that kind of summed up, you know, my whole life as a Red Sox fan right there against the Yankees. That that's still how I feel. If the if the Red Sox are up by six, I want to be up by seven. Um, and maybe that's just me and the fandom doesn't really agree with me anymore. But I still, I want to punish the Yankees when we play them. I, you know, it's just, the rivalry's not dead. It's just underground for a little while. And uh, I'm ready to see a resurgence here pretty soon. Well, let,
3: let me put it this way. Um, I don't recall that because by the time it hit 10-3, to 3, I can tell you I was not watching the game anymore. Um, I wasn't old enough to drink, obviously, at 11, but I was probably hitting some ginger ale and just crying my tears, so I didn't hear Joe Buck say that. Um, but it, it I, I feel the same way in the sense that I never want to lose a game to Boston. Um, after, my gra- after my grandpa died uh, this year, um, it was, I was in his house. I had, was by myself. I was watching the Yankees-Red Sox game at Fenway Park. I think this is the game that someone broke into Fenway Park, and the guy was like running around and they had to stop the field of play. And the Yankees were down like nine to one at this point. And my blood was boiling. And the game meant nothing. You know, We were, I think we'd already made the playoffs and we were close and everything. But it still angered the you-know-what out of me to see us losing to the Red Sox by that much. And that, that will always remain. There will always be a piece of my soul that despises the Red Sox. And I'm sure it's the same exact way with the Yankees till the end of time. But I think you're right that there needs to be um, a rekindling of this heated rivalry because, you know, the last few years we haven't met. Well, last time we met in the playoffs was 04, right? Am I remembering oh, that?
0: No, 2018. Uh, 20, 2018.
3: Oh, right. I blocked blo- blo- oh, yes. that part. I blocked that part out of my memory <laughs> for good. Reason. Um, but other, felt like other than that, there hasn't been that like.
0: Yeah. 04 was the far last far. one. Yeah. The last big one, yeah, yeah, that, and it's crazy because it, it was 16 years ago, and to think that there hasn't been really any other flare ups outside of 2018 is, is just crazy. And well, I mean, there's
2: there's the the Ryan Dempster throwing an A rod, you know, there's true. little moments, there's little ho- little hopeful moments where I think maybe this is it, but really, you're right, Terry. Outside of that
0: not really there anymore yeah i forgot about that but that was definitely uh, a good moment i wasn't on twitter that year so i wished i was although we were the the joe kelly um i already forgot his name tyler
3: or was it Thorsten? no uh... i know exactly <laughs> tyler wait Ty- no, no, no no tyler austin austin
0: yeah there you go yeah that was kind of a fun moment on twitter for for Red Sox and Yankees fans because both sides were claiming victory and, and, you know, but it was, it was nice. And I think that was 2018 as well. And yeah. And fun fact, I I actually, not so much fun for me, but I, uh, I actually picked the Yankees to win that series, believe it or not. I just, I wasn't comfortable with Chris sale. You knew David price was an automatic win, you know, for the Yankees. And Severino was going to be pitching at home and his home road splits against the Red Sox or like night and day. And I thought, well, geez, he's pitching at home. So game three doesn't look good for us. And, uh, but you know, we got the win with sale and apparently Cora kind of knew something about Severino tipping. And, um, I'm not going to speculate on anything beyond that knowing what we know now, but, um, but, you know, so it was kind of a nice surprise to win game, uh, three and then, uh, game four was, I can't remember who even started that. It was either Porcello or Ivoldi, but we, you know, yeah, it was
2: a uh, Rick Porcello, Porcello game. Four, okay.
0: Yeah. And then that, that was, uh, the clincher that night. And, and then I, I picked us to lose to the Astros just cause I thought the Astros were going to win the world series anyway. Um, you know, I didn't think I was really going out on the limb on that one, but, uh, but, yeah, so I, I thought the Yankees had, had a chance. And I've always wondered, you know, if Aaron Boone uh, – excuse me, if – well, if Aaron Boone wasn't the manager and Joe Girardi still was, would the dynamics of that 2018 series against the Red Sox have been different? You know, and I, I guess we'll never know that. And I'm a big Girardi guy. So, um, you, know, it's, you know, it's one of those things we'll never know. But – Anyway, I guess uh, that's a good place to wrap it. So for the listening audience, we will be back midweek. We do have uh, a show mapped out um, but if if developments happen, then those will take precedence and uh, those will be what the uh, the show ends up covering. So expect another show uh, midweek and um, hope y'all uh, stay warm and uh, as of today, according to Evan Drellick, still planning on a February start for pitchers and catchers. So, hopefully, that doesn't change, and we'll uh, be monitoring, monitoring that. Uh, you know, in the in the coming days as well. Take care.